Thank you, praise team. You're waiting for uh, the children to be dismissed, but actually, it's a fifth Sunday, and so the boys and girls are going to stay with us today. All right, and if you need to make any adjustment right now, go ahead and make that adjustment. Some of you may be thinking, oh, I didn't realize that was going to happen. Happens four times a year, and it's good just to have our boys and girls in with us. Maybe noticing, hey, Pastor Joe doesn't have a coat on. I usually have a coat on, but I've been having this kind of thing going on with my throat and so a little warm. And so I thought, hey, I'm just not going to wear my coat this morning. And because my throat's bothering me a little bit, I may just speak a little bit softer. Is that okay? (laughs) It probably won't happen, but I need to conserve my voice. All right, open your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. My message is titled, God Loves a Cheerful Giver. That comes right out of verse 7. I usually take my message title from our passage. And I'm taking a couple of Sundays to speak on our giving here at Charleston Bible Church. And what I'm hoping to do is to encourage our faithful, joyful, generous, and maybe even at times sacrificial giving to this church so that we see our needs met, our budgeted needs, and find ourselves in the black at the end of the year, and also to see us meet special offerings. You know, we're going to have a missions conference in two weeks, and it's going to be fabulous. I'm excited about those who are coming in and who are going to challenge us, but the price tag on a conference like that, if we're going to be a, give our speakers a generous honorarium is going to be about $4,000 by the time we have all our expenses paid. So we take special offerings at times like that. Do you ever think about how much you think about money? Do you ever think about how much you think about money? I'll be honest with you. I think about money a lot. I I do. Usually I'll begin my day after my quiet time, my devotional time. I'll have breakfast, usually a bowl of fruit. And over breakfast, I'll look at the paper. We get the paper at our house, Post and Courier. How many of you get the paper? That's kind of a thing of the past. Nobody? Well, just a few. And so one of the things I'll look at when I get the paper is the business section and see how the Dow Jones Average is doing. This actually was from Friday. So I'll look at the Dow Jones as I get my day. So you may be wondering why you got that much money. I don't have that much money, but my retirement monies are in the Dow Jones. They're in mutual funds. And so it's kind of like, all right, how are they doing? And then oftentimes when I get to my office here, I'll start my day by going to my online banking. How many of us do online banking? Yeah, the most of us do. How many of you go to that every day? Uh, maybe not everybody had their hand up who would put it up first, but but oftentimes you, you want to see if you've been hacked, right? <laughs> Somebody break into my bank account and steal all my money. I don't have that much money. We think about money a lot. We all have bills we're regularly paying, and you may find yourself at that, at that point with kind of like help. We we have all of these bills: gas and electric, water, 
mortgage or rent, insurance, all kinds of insurances, aren't there? Insurance, home security, internet, cable, automobile, tuition if you're at a private school or in college. So we have all these bills, and besides the bills, there are all these appeals for our money. Don't you find that everybody wants a little bit of your money? They must think you've got a lot. I mean, I can go to Costco and, and occasionally MUSC, Children's Hospital, I think it is. Would you like to contribute, sir, to MUSC Children's Hospital? Or you can go to Lowe's, and at different times the Boy Scouts will be out there hawking their wares, right? Or maybe the Girl Scouts or some Christian ministry. I had the radio on this morning, the Christian radio station, and, and they said next Monday they're starting their share So what they want is you to contribute to their expenses for the year ahead. And so we deal with money and finances a lot. And so it's important for us to know what God's Word says about such things, isn't it? It really is. Nod your heads. Encourage me this morning. I told you I'm not feeling the best. Nod your head. Help me get into this. Actually, there are some 2,300 verses having to do with money and wealth and possessions. Jesus spoke about money some 15% of his preaching and About uh, 11 out of 39 of his parables, about 25% of his parables had to do with money. So there's a lot in Scripture, and we need to understand what Scripture has to say about these things. I, I should make no apologies for speaking about finances and money and giving. And actually, this week I had coffee with a gentleman. He said, you know, last week you seemed a little bit apologetic. Almost as if you were apologizing for talking about money and asking people to to, to contribute. And and given basically his admonition was you shouldn't feel guilty. You shouldn't be apologetic. Because, you see, if you're in the ministry, if you're a pastor like me, you've been warned that people don't like to talk about money. It keeps them from coming to church, right? I mean, if you talk about money all the time, and we don't talk about money all the time, but... I must have picked up that sensitivity, but but I, I don't want to apologize. There's so much in Scripture on finances and giving. And so without apology, I should occasionally take us to God's Word, shouldn't I? Yeah. So that's why we're in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Let's go ahead and review. I have this in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Because Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's wanting to motivate them to give to a relief offering that's being taken for the church in Jerusalem, evidently a famine relief offering. And the church in Corinth had started to take this offering, but it had stalled out. And so Paul is wanting to motivate those in Corinth to... Get, get, get on with things and to take this offering. And so he layers one motivation on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. There's probably eight or ten motivations that he brings to the forefront. Last Sunday, we looked at two of those motivations. And this morning, we're just going to look at one more. But last Sunday, we looked at Second uh, Corinthians 9.15, the very last verse in this whole section. I said it's like the cherry on the top. It's the last one, and I think it may be the greatest one, where Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 
And so Paul is saying gratitude to God for his goodness in giving his son should, should motivate us to be generous people. Gratitude. And then I took us from the end of that passage to the very beginning where we see the challenging example of others in their giving should motivate us to be generous people. And what Paul does is he starts this, this whole section as he holds up the, the churches in Macedonia. Corinth is to the south, Macedonian churches are to the north. He holds them up, he holds up Jesus Christ, and he says, look at the example of their giving. That should stir you to give. Because they gave sacrificially, they gave when it wasn't easy. And so in essence, Paul says, compare your giving to theirs. See where your heart is at. So last week we looked at two motivations, and this morning just one more, just one more, to encourage us to be generous, joyful, at times sacrificial givers. And this morning in our verses, verses 6 through 9, the topic is that of sowing and reaping. And I want you to know from the very beginning there's a clear progression of thought in our passage, these verses, these six verses. First of all, Paul is going to state this principle of sowing and reaping. That's verse 6, and he gives this principle as motivation for generous giving. Then in verse 7, Paul gives the attitudes that God wants to see in our sowing and reaping. And then finally, in verses 8 through 11, Paul explains this principle of sowing and reaping. And in explaining it, wants to provide even further motivation. So, so the big idea is sowing and reaping. And the kind of heart God wants from us as we sow and reap. And further motivations. God loves a cheerful giver. And Paul's going to talk about that. How God's love for a cheerful giver is going to be manifested in their lives. Wow, that's great. So, so let's read our verses. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he is purposed in his heart. Uh, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, and he quotes here from Psalm 112, he scattered abroad, and this isn't talking about God, this is talking about the generous giver. He scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness is going to endure forever. Now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower, and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. So let's pull those verses apart. Clear progression. The first thing Paul does is give us the principle. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. He states in verse 6, Now this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
And so the principle he's announcing here, this principle of sowing and reaping, is you reap what you sow. And you reap more than what you sow. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. And so Paul is wanting to motivate them to give to this relief offering for the church in Jerusalem, wanting them to know that if they give generously, they will reap generously. And so what he is encouraging is give generously. Give generously. There's a principle that comes into play in our giving. This is an important principle for us to to grasp. I know that we're all interested in the wise investment of our monies. And so we should act accordingly as we think about the wise investment of our monies. You reap what you sow and you reap more than what you sow. You're given a corn kernel when you came in. That's your takeaway. I don't know if I can, I can, I found mine in my pocket. Sometimes you, something that size, it gets stuck in the corner of the pocket, doesn't it? Or ladies, maybe in your purse. But that's one kernel, which will produce one stalk. And on one stalk, you have two to four ears. And each ear has some 800 kernels. And so if you do the math, and if you have a good harvest, and so this one kernel produces one stalk, produces four ears, you end up with 3,200 kernels. That is quite an investment. That's quite a return on one's investment, isn't it? It's like, whoa. Jack Exum writes this. He talks about being in Canada. He says, uh, I was in Canada and I visited a believer who operated a large grain farm. And his spread included 2,500 acres. I asked him how he planted the seed, and he reached in a bin, pulled out an ear of corn, and he proceeded to pop out the kernels one by one as he walked along, demonstrating the planting process. And then Ekim says, do you believe that? No, sir, that's not what he said, nor is it what he did. He showed me a distributor that was some 30 feet wide and said, we take that double tandem truck, fill it with certified seed, back it up to the distributor, open the slots and pour in the seed. And he went on to say, if you're ever going to be cheap, don't be cheap with the seed. We would understand that, wouldn't we, when it comes to farming? And that's exactly what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 9. If you're ever going to be cheap, don't be cheap with the seed because you're going to reap according to what you sow. So sow bountifully. Give generously. That's what he's saying. Right? We see it so clearly when it comes to agriculture. And Paul is taking this analogy and bringing it into this whole area of our giving. And so in verse 6... Paul states the principle of sowing and reaping. And he's out to motivate those in the church in Corinth to give generously to the relief offering for those in Jerusalem. He moves on, and in verse 7, he goes on to talk about the heart attitudes that God wants in us as we sow generously. So so it moves from the principle to the heart attitude. And and Paul, in verse 7, states... Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, 
not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so Paul, is, after he talks about the principle, goes on to talk about hard attitudes, and he says each one is to do what he's purposed in his heart. Purpose is pro areo, pro before areo, to choose. And so the idea is that of doing something with forethought, being purposeful. And so Paul is saying, he's stating that giving is to be premeditated. It's something that we should think carefully about. It's not something that's to be done, Paul goes on to say, grudgingly or under compulsion. It's not something that you should do because you're reluctant or under pressure having your arm twisted up behind your back. And the reason that is the case, Paul goes on to say at the end of verse 7, is God loves a cheerful giver. God delights in a cheerful giver. The Greek term hilarious sounds like our English what? Hilarious. And so the idea is God loves those who give cheerfully with a joyful heart. God loves those who give because they want to and not because they have to. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for those who understand this principle of sowing and reaping and enter into it with a hard attitude of of wanting to give and to give generously and to give freely. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus 25, if you would. Exodus 25. What we find in Exodus 25 are instructions given by God to Moses about collecting gifts for the tabernacle. They're going to build the tabernacle. They've come out of Egypt. They're going to build this place of meeting with God, the tabernacle. And and I want to pick up on a phrase that we find throughout this section. Notice chapter 25, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying... Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me from every man whose heart moves him. You shall raise up my contribution. And it goes on to talk about what is to be contributed. But you see that phrase, every man whose heart moves him shall make this contribution. Well, let's jump ahead 10 chapters. Turn to chapter 35. And why are we jumping so far ahead? Because instructions are given for the tabernacle in between chapter 25 and 35. And so in chapter 35, the collection is started. And so we read in chapter 35, verse 4, Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. There's that phrase again. Let him bring it as as the Lord's contribution. Whoever is of a willing heart. And then jump down to verse 20. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting and for all its services and for the holy governments. Then all of those whose hearts moved them. How many times do we have to find that phrase in our passage? Whose hearts moved them, who were stirred. Men and women, they came and brought and it talks about what they gave. And then towards the end of the chapter, verse 29, the Israelites, all the men and women whose heart moved them to bring material for the work which the Lord had commanded through Moses to be done, brought a free will offering to the Lord. 
Isn't that a delight? They're bringing here a free will offering for the construction of the tabernacle. It was not mandatory. It was to be free will. Those whose hearts stirred them, those who were moved, who had a willing heart. Oh, if you, if you want in on what God is doing in our midst, we're building a tent of meeting. We're building a tabernacle. You want in on it. Ha! Yes. But that wasn't everybody. Sadly. A lot of foolish people probably say, eh, I don't know, man, maybe a rainy day ahead. I don't know, I'm not sure I want in on it. But a lot of people got in on it. And in fact, so many that we read in chapter 36, they had to tell them, stop. Stop. We got too much. In fact, verse 5 of chapter 36, the leaders of this project of the workers said to Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform. So Moses issued a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contributions of the sanctuary. And thus the people were restrained from bringing any more for the material they had was sufficient and more than enough for all the work to perform it. We've got enough. So many people's hearts were stirred to, to be in on what God was doing with the construction of this tabernacle. And my point is that God loves just such giving from us. That, that's a New Testament dynamic, I believe. I believe it's what we're finding Paul talk about in 2 Corinthians 9, that God loves a cheerful giver. He loves people who give because their hearts stir with what He's doing in the world today. I can be in on what He's doing. My heart is stirred to give. I'm a cheerful giver. Right? Oh. Let's move on. There's a progression here. A clear progression. Verse 6, the principle. You reap what you sow, so you're going to want to sow generously. Verse 7, the heart attitudes that God desires in our sowing and reaping. Well, you want to be purposeful. You want to think this through. You don't want to give grudging under compulsion because God loves those who give with a cheerful heart. And then that brings us to this last section, verses 8 through 11. You see, we're told in verse 7 that God loves a cheerful giver. Notice, isn't that how verse 7 ends in your Bible? God loves a cheerful giver. And what follows then in verses 8 through 11 is how God's love is shown in the life of a cheerful giver. How is his love shown then? God loves a cheerful giver, those, those who enter into the sowing and reaping with right hearts. And Well, how is his love shown? That's where he goes. So, so do you understand the progression? Very clear progression. Notice then verse 8, and, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed, as it is written, he scattered abroad. Now, again, I say this isn't talking about God scattering abroad. This is talking about the generous giver scattering abroad. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing 
and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. I've been talking about progression of thought through the whole passage. Well, there's a progression of thought here. And the progression of thought is this. God loves cheerful givers. That's that's the end of verse 7. And so, verse 8, he's able to make all grace abound to them. Which means he meets their needs. They have, Paul says, all sufficiency in everything. And so they can meet other needs. They have an abundance, Paul says, for every good work. And thus reap an eternal harvest of righteousness. The righteousness endures forever. Now, it is interesting. I, I've just given you verses 8 and 9, but, but again in verse 10 and again in verse 11, Paul reiterates those same kind of dynamics. He, he wants us to understand these ideas. God's grace should encourage us to open our hearts and to be generous people. Those who sow generously. I want to close by focusing on two motivations giving in verses 8 through 11 for generous sowing. All right, so, so there's this further motivation for being a generous sower. And the first and primary one is God is able to make all grace abound to you. And that's repeated in verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. And that idea is restated in verse 11. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality. When we focus on God's abundant grace... When we think of His abundant grace being unleashed in our lives, it should motivate us to sow bountifully and cheerfully. That's the idea. When we think of His grace being unleashed in our lives through our sowing, it should motivate us to be those who give generously because we want, do we not, the grace of God. More and more manifested in and through our lives. And, and this is one way to see that happen through our generous giving. Because God loves cheerful givers. Turn to Malachi 3. Boy, it's a strong book. The last book in the Old Testament. And in Malachi chapter 3... Malachi speaks of their failure to tithe. And he says, you know, you're, you're robbing God. And they are encouraged to tithe because it will bring God's favor and will unleash his grace. So they're encouraged to tithe. And notice verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me now. And this, notice this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And so the, through the prophet, God says to the nation, test me in this. Give your tithe and see if I don't give far more, that I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, an overflowing blessing. 
And I believe that's the dynamic that Paul is enunciating in 2 Corinthians 9.8. As we cheerfully give, God takes delight. He loves it and His grace abounds. See if He does not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. A second motivation for giving in verses 8 through 11, 8 through 11, the second motivation for sowing is that we will be motivated to sow bountifully and to give cheerfully if we have a concern for eternity. He's wanting to motivate them to be generous givers, to be cheerful givers. And the second way he does that is, is to speak of eternity. Notice verse 9. Then we begin reading with verse 8. Paul says, and this is going to be a quote from Psalm 112, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. And then verse 9, as it is written, he... This generous giver, scattered abroad, he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And so the sowing of a righteous man, his righteous deeds, Paul says, endure forever. And the point he's wanting to make is what one sows in time is reaped in eternity. So enter into this practice, the sowing and reaping, because God loves a cheerful giver, and His grace abounds and brings an expansion, in a sense, in your life so that you can do more and more, and your, your riches in eternity abound. Wow, what an encouragement. Through our giving, we are living wisely in light of eternity. Chuck Swindle, and I've shared this story with you before, tells a friend about a friend of his. And his friend had to do a funeral, evidently one of the first funerals he had to do, maybe the first one, and he needed a dark suit, and he didn't have one. So he figured he'd go to the pawn shop, and he did. <laughs> and at the pawn shop, he was surprised to find that they had the right size, the right color, the right price. It's like, oh, this I didn't expect this. And he asked the, the clerk there, the pawnbroker, and how is this possible? And his explanation was that these suits come from a local mortuary. <laughs> they're used on the deceased and then removed, and then they're sent to us and we sell them. <laughs> Evidently, the guy felt a little bit funny, but why not? Bought a suit. And later on, it was in the middle of his message as he's conducting this funeral that he reached for his pants pockets and there were no pockets in his pants. <laughs> and Chuck Swindoll says this, talk about an unforgettable object lesson. There he stood preaching to all those people about the importance of living in light of eternity as he himself wore a pair of trousers without pockets that had been on a corpse. The importance of living in light of eternity. And Paul in our passage is saying we do so by sowing bountifully and giving cheerfully. It's bountiful and cheerful giving in this life that leads to a bountiful harvest of righteousness in the next. That's what Paul is saying. That's the encouragement he gives for us to act on this principle 
of sowing and reaping and doing so cheerfully. And we understand and we're cheerful, should be cheerful in it because we understand that this is uh, unleashing, if you will, the grace of God in my life so that I can do more and more good. And so that I can, in a sense, lay up more and more treasure in heaven. Wow, what a wise investment. I want us to have God's perspective on money and giving. And that's why 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 are, are just a fabulous passage to bring us to. Because I really do. I want my heart stirred. I, we were talking in Sunday school and I said, I want to be a generous person. I want generosity to be one of the characteristics of my life. And so I want us to be generous people. And that's what Paul is after in these two chapters, wanting to motivate them. And in our verses today, we see this principle of sowing and reaping and, and the fact that God loves a cheerful giver and His grace abounds. The way that His love is manifested is in His grace abounding towards a cheerful giver so that they can give more and more and over time have more and more laid up for eternity. Wow. Wow. It should be a great encouragement to all of us. This is all very positive. This isn't twisting anybody's arm. This is saying, hey, you, you want to invest wisely? Well, I just give you, I gave you a fabulous investment tip. Right? Last Sunday in fellowship group, we went next door. There's a group, oh, about 30, 40 of us. We're talking about my message from last Sunday. And the question was brought up, How? what about the tithe? Yeah. How should we understand the tithe today? How should that inform our giving? And, and you know we're looking back to the Old Testament when we talk about the tithe, this idea of 10%. And under the Old Testament economy, they were required. They were required to give a tithe. And I'm becoming redundant because I said this last Sunday, but that they actually were required to give three tithes. One for the religious leaders, one for the different festivities that were a part of their worship, and then one for the poor, probably every third year. And so they were required to give some 23% a year. Mandatory. And so in Israel, it's more like a tax. Really, we're right to think of it almost as a tax Israel was a theocracy. It was a religious state. And tithes were given to help run the state. And then in addition to their tithes, which were mandatory, they, they had the opportunity to give free will offerings. Offerings that were given as an expression of gratitude. And so they gave many of those kind of offerings. That was the Old Testament dynamic. You'll find nowhere in the New Testament that a tithe is taught as the figure for giving. We're to give free will offerings. We're to give joyfully and generously. And I think this is an important dynamic. We're not to have hearts that think, what can I get by with? Give me a percentage. But how much can I give? 
You see, sometimes that's what we're after. It's almost like, give me a percentage. Give me 10% or give me some sort of percentage. But I don't find that. I don't find that in our passage. In what I just opened up to you in verses uh, 6 through 11 of chapter 9, he's not talking about a percentage. He's talking about a principle which says if you want to turn your life into this fountain of, of giving life to others and understand the principle of sowing and reaping and that God delights in those who sow and reap. And he opens up their life because his grace abounds towards them. And they have more and more and do more and more. And in light of eternity, live wisely. Wow. We're to give joyfully, bountifully, so as to reap joyfully and bountifully. Two men were standing outside of the church in their underwear. And one guy said to the other, he said, that was the most moving sermon on giving that I've ever heard. (laughs) It gave the clothes off my back. I don't think I've just given over the past couple of weeks the most moving sermons on giving. I don't believe I have. But what I've sought to do is to take us to God's word. So that the giving that you do participate in is generated out of the truths of God's word. That we give out of gratitude for what God has done. We give because we see others who give and give generously. We give because we understand this principle of sowing and reaping and we want in on it. We know that those who sow bountifully reap bountifully because God loves a cheerful giver and His grace is further manifested in their lives and so that they can give and lay up treasure in heaven. So no apologies on my part today. All right, No apologies to saying let's look at God's Word and let's be challenged by it. And in the days ahead, let's live by it. Amen? I should get all excited talking to you about money. You know why? Because I'm just calling us to do what God calls us to do in His Word. And it doesn't get any better than that. You know, when I can look to openly, uh, can clearly open up God's Word and say, do you see it? Do you see it here? Do you see it's like, yes, Pastor Joe, we see it. That's where we want to live because we want to walk in light of God's Word and experience His favor upon our lives. Oh, I should get all excited about making known just such things. Father, we praise You. We praise You. We're blessed people. We're blessed to have Your Word. We're blessed to have Paul address this issue of giving. And in such an extended way so that we can learn all about it. We can learn principles of sowing and reaping that we would otherwise not know. That if we sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. That you love a cheerful giver and your grace is further manifested towards them. So they can give more. Have sufficiency in all things. So that their deeds of righteousness abound For all of eternity. Oh, how exciting. How exciting to know your word. To walk in light of it. Oh, by your grace and by the activity of your spirit and the encouragement of others, may we live there. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.